Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to the Northern Miner Podcast, and I am your host, Matthew Keevil. As usual, we are brought to you by the Yukon Mining Alliance. Please do head over to yukonminingalliance.ca to check out all the exciting exploration and development activity going on in Canada's Yukon Territory. And here we are, folks. The day has arrived. That's right. Uh, this is episode 94 for the week of February 21st. And as mentioned last week, this will be my final go around behind the mic here at the Northern Miner Podcast. So uh, first and foremost, I would like to thank all our listeners for coming on this great journey with us. It has been nearly 100 episodes. I was hoping we get to 100 episodes, but that's the way life is. Almost two years from the humble beginnings when Leslie and myself started this with a pair of microphones effectively in a broom closet to where we are today with uh, great equipment, great support, a large listener base, and some awesome reoccurring guests to bring you all the breaking stories in the mining industry. So it's really grown as a platform. We're really proud of it. Uh, I mentioned last week, don't worry, you will be in very capable hands in my absence. Uh, Our Editor-in-Chief John Cumming will be taking over alongside Senior Staff Writer Trish Saywell and our new Staff Writer Richard Corisa. Uh, They will be continuing to bring you fantastic interviews, uh, especially from the PDAC, which is coming up, as well as all the great content uh, you're used to and I'm really excited I'll be a listener now to see where they take this platform moving forward it has been a fantastic run Uh, so I will take the time here before we dig into a few of the topics this week just to say thank you to all the Northern Miner family for an absolutely exceptional six years just over six years I think I've been there Uh, I'd like to thank my editor-in-chief John Cumming uh, absolutely a great uh, great leader at the Northern Miner really taught me how to write back in the day when I was just pretty terrible. Uh, thank you to Anthony Vaccaro, our group publisher, for uh, being supportive of all our efforts there. Uh, and thanks to our editorial team, specifically Trish Saywell, senior staff writer, also taught me a lot. Uh, our new staff writer, Richard Corisa, thanks for taking on a lot of the podcast duties in the recent months. Uh, and all our fantastic support staff there in Toronto who makes the Northern Miner what it is. And I will take this opportunity. Subscribe. I will be subscribing. So everyone, subscribe. Support the paper. It's really important. So, um, But... Uh, that's sort of my uh, my gushing at the beginning of the episode. So I wanted to uh, take us full circle. This episode's not going to be too ta- too complicated, I should say. Uh, we're going to be reading a few uh, analyst updates. We're going to touch base uh, at the BMO Capital Markets Conference in Hollywood, Florida. See what uh, some of the BMO analysts and companies are saying down there in Florida as we lead into PDAC. Uh, we'll take a look at some major... Um, headlines this week talk a little bit about new fed chair jerome powell's impact on gold uh we'll take a look at why the copper market's struggling a little bit right now and uh, a variety of other things but it's going to be a pretty straightforward episode old-fashioned we're going to kick it old school like we used to back in the day where it's uh, just me you and the mic um and i wish really wish leslie could be here too but obviously fantastic news for her on maternity leave so uh, i'm sure she'll be back in action uh when she returns next year so keep uh keep looking forward to those uh geology corners But uh, now, first and foremost, let's get into our news and notes of the week and uh, cover a few big headlines I'm seeing out there across the mining world. Let's kick it off with copper because weak Chinese manufacturing data has driven the red metal to a fourth consecutive daily loss. Chinese manufacturing data suffered its largest fall in five years in February with Beijing's official manufacturing PMI down to 50.3 points. The slowdown is reportedly being blamed on Chinese New Year disruptions, the impact of the government's clampdown on pollution and a cooling property sector. Copper for delivery in May slumped nearly 2% 
2.5% to a low of $3.12 per pound or $6,900 per ton in early afternoon trading. The red metal is down more than 5% thus far in 2018. Uh, we did chat with BMO Capital Markets Managing Director of Research Colin Hamilton a month ago about the copper sector and he did forecast a rather, uh, let's say, even supply demand fundamental running through 2018 with uh, a couple large scale projects hitting production and hitting peak production namely um, First Quantum's Cobra Panama project in Panama and uh, Freeport McMoran's Grasberg operation in Indonesia both expected well uh, Cobra Panama expected to hit production this year while Grasberg is supposed to hit peak production so it looks like the market is going to be fairly sensitive towards any sort of lag on the demand side specifically in this instance from from the Chinese manufacturing sector. Uh, the PMI numbers suggest economic growth for China of 6.9% in 2017, slowing to 6.5% this year. Uh, a private sector PMI reading by Caxon is out tomorrow and should give a better indication of activity trends in the world's second largest economy. Hopping over to gold and precious metals, where the talk of the town has been incoming Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell and his take on the U.S. economy. Uh, in his first testimony, Powell said to House Financial Services Committee, my personal outlook for the economy has strengthened since September. Quote, some of the headwinds the U.S. economy faced have turned into tailwinds. The Fed will continue to strike a balance between avoiding an overheating economy and bringing, bringing price inflation to 2% on a sustained basis. Uh, headlined U.S. inflation and the cost of living has now exceeded the Fed's 2% annual target every month since September, matching the start of 2017 as the longest such stretch since 2011-2012. Uh, gold subsequently steadied at multi-week lows on Wednesday as the dollar paused its gains. Uh, but world stock markets followed Wall Street lower after Powell told U.S. lawmakers to expect further interest rate hikes. Uh, gold extended its sharpest one-week drop of the year to date, falling another $20 per ounce between Tuesday morning uh, and the end of London trade yesterday, bouncing off a two-week low of $1,314 per ounce overnight. Uh, gold was trading at roughly $1,318 per ounce at the time of recording, and has interestingly held relatively steady over the last, let's say, 24 hours, uh, despite what uh, what many are calling a hawkish sentiment from Powell and the Fed. So it'll be very interesting to see uh, the impact on gold prices. We've talked a little bit uh, about how gold has sort of defied its historic reactions to downward trends in the U.S. stock market. It has, however, remained quite sensitive to the U.S. dollar. So uh, interesting times for the gold market. It has uh, remained relatively uh, buoyant at around that $1,315 per ounce level, uh, demonstrating some support, though it's also uh, sort of been beaten down recently anytime it has approached that level about $1,360 per ounce. Um, I have heard uh, um, some opinions all over the map on where gold is headed this year. Uh, the one that seems the truest to me might be that we will remain range-bound through 2018 as markets digest what is going on in the U.S. Uh, in terms of the stock markets as well as the inflation condition, uh, and also what we're seeing in the world industrial complex. We've talked about this quite a bit on the podcast previously, uh, but it appears that uh, the industrial complex is largely outperformed last year relative to some of the expectations on the street. But uh, it'll be interesting to see just exactly what will happen through 2018. As we saw uh, just re recently on the show, like five minutes ago, uh, the Chinese manufacturing PMI did perform weaker in February, and we're looking at uh, a slower 
GDP growth in China this year uh, to the tune of about 0.4%. So it will be interesting to see sort of how this all comes together in terms of the supply demand fundamentals uh, for gold and the base metals, as well as what we're looking at uh, in terms of reactions to uh, the U.S. markets and economy. And uh, if we will see Powell and the Fed continue to be relatively hawkish uh, on those inflation figures and interest rate hikes moving ahead. So some very interesting times in the precious metal markets. But uh, as said, I heard... uh, I heard some comments coming out of the BMO Capital Markets Conference in Florida the last couple of days, uh, and gold producers are saying it's, it's I think Ron Hoshine, who's the CEO of Lundin Gold, described it as a very calm space right now. I mean, it's hard to say if you're, if you're looking at a spot price of uh, above $1,300 per ounce, I would always say I hope you're producing gold at a profit at that level. If your mine has, uh, has, has head frame costs above $1,300 per ounce, you probably want to close that mine. So gold producers, by and large, are doing all right. We talked a little bit about the majors last week. Uh, the biggest pressing issues that I've heard coming out of the majors, as we discussed, is reserve depletion, uh, where those ounces are going to come from in the future, etc. So what sort of the big, well, one of the big uh, conversations going on is how do they responsibly, uh, responsibly, I should say, uh, reinvigorate those reserve bases. Uh, there's still a lot of people uh, discussing poor M&A practices in the last cycle from the gold majors. So they're, they're sort of receiving pressures from both ends, wherein they're being pressured to uh, rejuvenate their reserves and long-term production profiles while also being uh, being warned not to repeat the uh, past mistakes, the ghosts of recessions past, as they would say. So it'll be interesting to see how we watch these, uh, these major golds sort of balance this demand for uh, a sort of a longer-term outlook in terms of where all those ounces are going to come from and how they're going to keep costs low. Uh, with the warning that they better behave themselves in M&A or the markets uh, are going to give them a little bit of a smackdown. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see gold moving forward um, and uh, take a little bit of a look at uh, what those gold majors do in terms of, you know, organic growth. We hear a lot, M&A, etc. will be interesting to watch uh, that process moving through 2018. And just to wrap up some of our other commodities, silver was trading at $16.42 per ounce at the time of recording, while zinc was at $1.58 per pound, and West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil was trading at $61.55 per barrel. Uh, So interesting, commodities were sort of down across the board. We talked a little bit about uh, the weakness in the uh, Chinese economy. Uh, We also saw uh, Eurozone inflation slowing to a 14-month low. Uh, which knocked the euro to six-week lows and underscored the European Central Bank's caution in removing stimulus in the region. Uh, Meanwhile, as mentioned, the dollar rose to five-week highs, the U.S. dollar on Wednesday. Uh, On the prospect of that monetary policy, that tighter monetary policy we mentioned, uh, and an upbeat U.S economic outlook from Powell, uh, while the global equity market slid on declines uh, in some of China's major manufacturers based on that manufacturing report. So uh, interesting times. We did see uh, quite a bit of red in those commodity prices. Gold has uh, sort of uh, sort of defied the trend a little bit. I know uh, a few people have mentioned they thought it would go a bit lower to me, but uh, it has remained uh, sort of uh, buoyant, uh, as we mentioned, around that level. So uh, that pretty much wraps up our news and notes for the week. But now let's head on over to Toronto and uh, meet up 
up with our staff writer, Richard Corisa, for this week's Mining Minute, which features our sponsor, Golden Arrow Resources, uh, a member of the Grosso Group, which is headed by Joseph Grosso, uh, that believes strongly in the mineral potential of Argentina and has focused exploration efforts there since 1993 when the country opened to foreign investment. Uh, Golden Arrow has advanced its Chinchilla Silver project from discovery to development in just five years. The company now holds a 25% share of Puna Operations, Inc., which is a joint venture company operated by SSR Mining, formerly Silver Standard. The joint venture is producing silver concentrate from the Perquitas operation and developing the nearby Chinchillas Silver Project. Golden Arrow trades under T, uh, GRG on the TSX Venture, G6A on the Frankfurt Exchange, and GARWF on the US OTC. So let's head on over to Toronto to hear from our staff writer, Richard Corisa, and President and CEO of Golden Arrow Resources, Joseph Grosso. Tell me about what the future holds for Golden Arrow Resources. Golden Arrow Resources has got two value streams going. One in production, and the income from production will be reinvested in other projects where we can buy a minority position, and it has a credible management. You must remember that we are very well known for being good explorationists. A track record is probably second to none, and we are spinning off into new golden exploration. The new company will be divided into 60% golden arrow, 40% new money coming in. The new money, it's most likely that comes in by way of a partner who doesn't care to be public immediately. And I mean, that's really exciting. If you really think that uh, we could have a 12 to $15 million to spend on our 200 and 15,000 hectares of property that we have left. We want to duplicate and triplicate what we've done with Silver Standard. Welcome back to studio, folks. Thanks again to Golden Arrow Resources, Joseph Grosso, and the Northern Miners, Richard Corisa, for joining us to talk a little bit about the company moving ahead. Uh, and now, as promised, I had a major giant note from Bank of Montreal leading into their uh, their sort of marquee conference in uh, Hollywood, Florida every year. Big, uh, everyone attends. A uh, huge amount of material comes out of it. I've been getting absolutely like inundated with BMO analyst note updates uh, about the various companies that, uh, that are uh, – uh, presenting down there. Uh, I thought I'd touch base a little bit. Uh, Bion puts out this sort of investment thesis uh, on some of the key commodities as well as sort of uh, some of their favorite companies to look at in each sector. So specifically, we'll look at precious and uh, precious metals and base metals. Uh, might also take a glance at some of the bulks and diversifies. But first and foremost, let's take a look at precious. Uh, BMO's bottom line for the precious metal space is, quote, in many ways, it is a case of as you were for precious metal prices and the macroeconomic backdrop 
app that guides them. Uh, BMO notes that the global economy is steadily improving, but monetary policy remains generally loose, and a lack of other liquid investment options in emerging markets will continue to support investment demand. Uh, BMO has made only minor adjustments to its commodity price outlook, uh, which sees 2018 prices maintaining similar ranges to those seen over 2017. So much as we said uh, in our previous section, so BMO analysts expect, predictably, a stable gold price and valuation multiples between larger and smaller producers to expand. Uh, BMO suggests focusing on stocks, quote, poised to deliver meaningful catalysts over the coming year. Uh, just a couple key points on the gold front. Uh, gold has been remarkably stable, BMO says, over the past couple years, uh, and prices have seemingly become range-bound, as we did mention previously, uh, as normalizing monetary policy and dissipating geopolitical risk are offset by building inflationary pressures. Many of the same themes we uh, we discussed when talking about incoming Fed Chair Jerome Powell, uh, BMO sees benefit coming from still loose monetary policy and those renewed inflationary concerns. But as we did also discussed, there are potential headwinds from dollar strength. So uh, BMO has only made slight adjustment to its gold price forecast over the near term, cutting its 2018 number by 1.5%. Uh, 2019 to 2021 prices remain unchanged and the long-term price BMO assumes is $1,200 per ounce. Uh, it also notes that recovering industrial demand is expected to see the gold-silver ratio mean revert over time, and while price forecasts were reduced, BMO expects the metal to relatively outperform gold, that would be silver, over the coming year. Uh, in terms of the equities, BMO says that while gold and silver price changes were relatively modest, in some cases, forecasts have been impacted by changes to currency and base metal forecasts. Companies with operations in Canada, Europe, and New Zealand, or zinc and copper exposure, appear to have benefited the most. Now, we'll dig into the preferred BMO equities in this space. That includes Newmont Mining for attractive valuation, B2 Gold, Endeavor Mining, Fortuna Silver, and Semifo for delivery of near-term and medium-term production growth. Finally, Argonaut Gold, Kirkland Lake Gold, and Premier Gold uh, for their significant, quote, upcoming catalysts and Continental Gold and Cisco Mining among developers. So there you go for the preferred stocks by BMO in the precious metal space. And now let's hop on over to the base metal producers where the top picks for BMO include Alcoa, AA on the NYSE, Eero Copper, ERO on the TSX, First Quantum, FM on the TSX, and Ivanhoe Mines, IVNTSX. Uh, BMO says it is quote, most constructive towards aluminum and copper, you might have guessed by that list, neutral on zinc and cautious towards nickel. Uh, BMO notes that uh, the copper producers offer an average 2018 free cash flow yield of 6%, which it says slightly lags the diversified mining companies, uh, which reflects a small market premium as investors, investors look for pure play copper exposure given its attractive outlook. Of the large producers, Freeport has a yield of 9% and Antanafagasta of 5%. No, those are forecast yields. Uh, so we've talked a little bit about uh, on the show about uh, that forthcoming potential supply crunch for copper. Um, uh, we talked about maybe pushing it out. I recall, I think Colin Hamilton, uh, the uh, analyst from BMO we've talked to, uh, said closer to 2019-2020. So uh, most constructive, interestingly, on aluminum. Uh, we've talked about that a little bit in the past as well, where uh, it was the industry that uh, was most impacted by tightening environmental restrictions in China. Uh, so uh, it will be interesting to see uh, stocks like Alcoa uh, and what sort of impact the ongoing uh, sort of reimagining of the Chinese economy into a more sustainable entity has on some of these commodities.
And we always like to talk a little bit about sort of this macroeconomic outlook. So let's take a look at what BMO's saying about uh, 2018. Uh, BMO says that the global macroeconomic environment remains, quote, reasonably supportive for metals and bulk commodities. Even with rate hikes now coming through, monetary policy remains loose. More importantly, however, BMO notes that global industrial growth continues at a steady pace. Uh, it says we are lagging in a stage of the commodity cycle, which is demand led. Supply is the laggard. So uh, commodities, uh, key points all in all. Uh, BMO says that after the strong run into year end 2017, it is likely that 2018 is more to be a consolidation year for metal prices from current spot levels. However, BMO does expect a renewed focus on long run price expectations as growth projects come back on the agenda. Uh, it also sees upward pressure in this area as the industry cost curve move back towards inflation which will also serve to steepen existing cost curves uh so interesting a, a lot of themes in there we talk about quite a bit here at the northern miner podcast in terms of uh where that uh, long-term supply for many of these mining companies is going to come from uh also interestingly enough uh steepening existing cost curves so we'll we'll, we'll keep our eye uh, on those cost curves moving ahead as well as uh how these sort of mining companies talk a little bit about it in the gold space uh as well as in the copper space in terms of future supply keeping those costs down uh, what sort of uh, the development pipeline might look like for some of these larger scale companies. Uh, very interesting questions moving into 2018. So those are questions uh, that we all share and uh, BMO has mentioned in the report here. The report. I also wanted to briefly touch on uranium because uh, it's been sort of a beaten down industry over the last couple years here. And uh, BMO notes that it did once again have a tough 2017 overall trading at an average price of US $22 per pound U308. That is down from US $26 per pound in 2016 and the lowest level since 2004. Uh, this has been contributed attributed to delays to new reactor builds and an uncertainty over the regulatory lifespan of the existing reactor fleet. It has compounded the negative sentiment of an oversupplied market. BMO says despite this, recent supply side events have given us greater cause for optimism and we continue to forecast that the market is entering a period of sustained undersupply in 2018, which could support a switch to positive momentum in the uranium price that uh, they note it does depend on inventories, however. Uh, the fourth quarter saw the most significant production cuts announced for some time, uh, led by a number of the main producers, including Cameco and Arriva. Uh, the largest reduction announced by Cameco in November involves the suspension of MacArthur River for 10 months from January 2018, which BMO estimates will remove about 17 million pounds U308, or 12% of primary supply. Additionally, we all recall Kazaprom announced it intends to implement in-country production cuts of 20% per annum over the next three years, a total of 28 million pounds. Uh, there is uncertainty, BMO notes, as to whether this is from a 60 million pound per annum pre-cut run rate, uh, as currently assumed in its forecast, or a 70 million pound per annum potential future run rate. But either way, BMO says see a we see a deficit forming in 2018 for the first time in uranium since 2009. So there might be some light at the end of the tunnel for those uranium, uh, the, the long-term uranium holdouts. Like I know some people have been <laughs> have really been waiting for this uh, contrarian buy in uranium for a number of years so uh, we might see it moving ahead here the other one that was interesting because it's such a hot commodity or has been over the last 18 months is zinc uh, we talked a little bit about this with colin we've discussed uh, other analyst reports on the metal but bmo reiterates in this report that the zinc price 
over the past two years has been, quote, a case study in how a raw material constraint in commodities should work out. Mine supply has fallen. Uh, fallen raw material trade leads to falling refined output, which in turn leads to a stock draw, uh, which is sort of what we were just talking about in uranium in terms of drawing down on those inventories. Uh, at present, inventories are still drawing in the zinc market with the physical market tight for both concentrate and metal. BMO says, though, that despite this, the zinc story increasingly feels like it is moving into the rearview mirror. Quite simply, BMO says, no zinc market participants want the price to rise further, with most producers noting that a move higher would not be healthy for the industry uh, as thrifting would accelerate. As such, the next chapter looks to be one where a good outcome for producers is stability. Uh, given the drawdown in zinc stocks, the risk of financial market-led squeeze higher at the front end of the curve cannot be re- precluded, but BMO would expect this to be short-lived. So uh, might be uh, seeing zinc a little bit in the rearview mirror. Uh, BMO sees a zinc price averaging a dollar and forty one cents per pound over 2018 with a peak of a dollar and fifty per pound in q2 however BMO recently increased its long-run zinc price to a dollar and ten cents per pound to reflect the relative lack of high-grade project options with potential to come on the market over the medium term so that wraps up some of the uh, just buzz we're hearing from BMO Capital Markets as they uh, host their sort of flagship conference down there in Hollywood, Florida. Some of the major themes and uh, discussion points we're going to hear uh, as we move further into 2018. So uh, interesting, uh, interesting points on some of those sort of headliner headliner commodities that we've discussed uh, at length here at the Northern Miner Podcast. But that uh, sort of brings me towards the end of the show. Uh, I will definitely see everyone at PDAC. I'm heading out on Saturday, so I'll see you uh, see you there at the conference. If you do uh, run into me, just wave. Uh, we can talk about uh, talk about the industry, my new role, which, uh, okay, I can't tell you where I'm going, but uh, a little bit of a hint. Uh, watch the Newswire for uh, the TSX tomorrow morning. Uh, there may be a, uh, I may pop up there. So uh, if you want a little hint on, on where to figure out where I'm going, to check the Newswire tomorrow morning. Uh, you might, uh, you might see me, see me pop up there. So uh, <laughs> that's all I can say right now. I'm not, there is, I got a question like, are you uh, jumping ship to go to the tech sector? Or like, I'm not, uh, I'm not going to a cryptocurrency publication <laughs> or uh, hopping over to cover Bitcoin in a bid to ride the quote unquote wave, nor am I going to a marijuana newspaper to, uh, <laughs> to, to cover one of the other hot businesses we're seeing on, uh, on the uh, junior markets over the past, uh, past year. So I am, I will be staying in the mining industry. So uh, keep your eyes peeled. You may well see my name pop up. But uh, once again, I cannot express enough gratitude uh, to everybody who made uh, this platform possible. The Northern Miner Podcast is here to stay. So excited to see what uh, our editor-in-chief and his staff, John, uh, do with the platform in Toronto. I'm going to be an avid listener and subscriber to the Northern Miner. I I can't stress enough, everybody should do the same. Please do the same. Um, But uh, yeah, loyal listener, thank you so much for coming on this journey with me. It's been 94 episodes mind-blowing i can't believe nearly two years week in and week out we have uh sat here together uh and gone over some of the major news and events in this industry which uh, i think is it's really at a turning point right now in terms of how we're talking about mining uh in terms of uh renewables and decarbonization and the role of digital technologies and all this really exciting stuff 
uh, we've been able to talk about here on this platform and have fantastic guests on uh, and just really like look at where mining is going and how we can emerge as a sustainable industry uh, not just over the near term but over the long term and uh, we've had some really really cool conversations with senior mining executives with people on the technical side with people on the internet technology side uh, in terms of you know where we see this business going over the next 10 20 30 years uh, so it's been very exciting it's been an absolute privilege to be here with you on the Northern Miner podcast, I will miss it. Let's let's be honest. Like, they actually told me out of Toronto. They're like, Matt, don't cry on the, <laughs> don't cry in the broadcast. I'm like, Nah, don't worry. I'm not. I'm, I'm tough. Don't worry. Don't worry. We, there will be no tears shed over my departure from the Northern Miner podcast. But uh, I do want to thank you, uh, sincerely, for uh, joining me once again on this voyage. Um, and uh, I will I will certainly see everyone around. So uh, when you see me out there, wave me down, say hi. I will be a follower of this uh, this podcast moving ahead. So maybe I'll uh, maybe they'll bring me back. Maybe I can be a guest on the on the northern minor podcast that would be a that'd be a trip a serious trip but as i said at the onset to bring this full circle it is my curtain call and it is time to say goodbye so thank you loyal listener for joining us for 94 epic episodes of the northern minor podcast my name is matthew keevil and i guess i will not talk to you next week